Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're catching up on the backlog of reader recommendations in our inbox. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. We will catch up on our reading goals and offer some more book reviews in our next episode, but for today, we have something special for all of you. We are digging up all of the reader recommendation requests that have been sitting in our inbox and recommending books to listeners with vast and varied reading tastes. So get your to-be-read lists ready. We have a lot of recommendations, and this is going to be fun. Is this our second or third Reader Rex episode? We've done quite a few of these. So this is where we just compile emails that we get or direct messages that we get from listeners who are looking for specific books according to their reading taste. Since Curtis and I both read really widely, we sometimes get these requests and it's just fun to put them in a podcast episode and recommend books to people. Yeah, these are some of my favorites, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you love these episodes, which is fun. Problem solving. Yes. Three. <laughs> All right, so our first listener, Bet, says, I am a listener and fellow military spouse and former English teacher pursuing my master's in library science. And her husband is a captain in the Marine Corps. They're currently stationed in Maryland. And Curtis, she has sent a few of your book recommendations to her husband, and they're always received well. And so she gave a little thank you for that. So what Bet is looking for, she wants books that get to a nitty-gritty truth and share something honest about the human experience like Miracle Creek, Beyond the Point, or anything by Sally Hepworth, books that convey female relationships well, books that are expansive and take place over the course of many years like Pachinko, Homegoing, The Island of Sea Women, and The Gown. She dislikes books with pretentious characters. And she specifically asked for Curtis to recommend a good gateway fantasy with those tastes in mind. She's thinking the 10,000 Doors of January because she might like the truth that the door metaphor provides. And she has recursion on her library holds, which by now maybe she's read that. She does love zombie stuff that's not too silly because she really likes what that metaphor says about life. And this is sort of on the edge of sci-fi over fantasy, so she wants a gateway for a fantasy book. So, Curtis, let's start with one of your picks, and you have some recommendations for fantasy and sci-fi for Bet. I do. Uh, I first want to note that it's nice when you're getting a recommendation request and you end up getting a recommendation because I hadn't heard of The 10,000 Doors of January, but when I read the synopsis of it, I added it to my TBR. So thanks, Bet. Oh, that's what I want to read too. I also like that she was specific that they're on an army base uh, instead of a post because there's some <laughs> Marine Corps, Army situation going back and forth there. Um, I think we've said that Recursion wasn't our favorite as far as like the gritty sci-fi type of a book as much as we liked Dark Matter. Um, so I kind of leaned in on the zombie side of things, uh, and I'll get to a gateway fantasy f- to close it out. So leaning kind of in on the 
gritty truth aspect and honest human experiences, uh, the first thing I'm going to recommend is World War Z by Max Brooks. So people might have seen the movie with Brad Pitt when it came out in 2013, um, but in my opinion it doesn't hold water to this book which came out in 2006 and is a follow-up to his fictitious survival guide which is uh, called the zombie survival guide which was kind of a more um, fun frivolous tone uh, this is more an oral history of a supposed zombie apocalypse which is told from multiple perspectives over the course of 20 years since the start of a worldwide pandemic so I like that aspect of it because it, t it tries to trace it back to a patient zero in China, and then it goes through multiple different characters and their different stories and how they respond and their, you know, live their lives and how it all comes together. So there's social commentary in there about refugees, uh, there's comments on government and bureaucracy with still themes of survival and obviously with a pandemic and a apocalypse situation there's a lot of uncertainty and he raw human experience that goes into it and so I think if you're into that kind of zombie realm it, you probably would have heard of it but if not uh, that's going to be my first recommendation for bet. All right, so pivoting from zombie stuff, I have some recommendations that fit more of the first half of Bet's request. So those are books that get to something honest about the human experience, female relationships at the center, books that are sort of sweeping or have some really unique, interesting themes and metaphors. So the first book that I would like to recommend is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And it almost feels silly recommending this because it's one of the biggest books of the summer and it seems like it's on everyone's radar already. But it was one of my absolute favorite books that I've read so far this summer. And just in case Bet was hesitant about picking it up, I can wholeheartedly recommend it. So The Vanishing Half is about two sisters and their lives take much different paths. This book is absolutely sweeping and takes place over many years and across the United States. And it's about generational identities and it is about sisterhood and there are some interesting commentaries on friendship in the book. It is also about racial identity and sexual identity and one of the sisters they are both light-skinned black women and one of them takes a career well not a career path but takes a life path where she ends up passing as white for the rest of her life but the the book is about that and so much more and it's about their daughters as well so it is just a really great book and it's super well written so that's the vanishing half by Britt Bennett and in case anyone was on the fence about reading it I just absolutely recommend picking it up okay so answering the question about a good gateway fantasy I think because 
that has a lot of similarities uh, with like the English teacher vibes and getting a master's and being in a scholastic environment and some of the books that she's talking about. I'm going to go with a little bit of a teaser for a gateway fantasy book that I recommended to you that is going to be a future buddy read, uh, The Republic of Thieves by Scott Lynch. So this book is the third book in the Gentleman Bastards series, uh, which cover the stories of Locke Lamora. And I've talked about uh, the first book in the series a lot as one of my favorites in fantasy. And what I think Bet would enjoy about Republic of Thieves is the back and forth sweeping narrative about relationships and the key characters, how it covers them as initially meeting as kids, growing into a relationship, separating for a number of years, and then coming back together as adults, and how that relationship from earlier on affects a something with stakes in the present. And I kind of don't really want to say more because I know you're going to read it eventually, uh, but I feel like if it would be my gateway fantasy recommendation to you, then that kind of covers for what Bet's looking for. And it works if you don't read the series in order. That's correct. So that was kind of the key point where I felt comfortable recommending it to you as a buddy read for us to go through because you don't really need to read the first two books in order to understand what's going on uh, in book three. So I'm looking forward to reading it together, and hopefully if Bet picks it up, she'll enjoy our discussion on it when it's eventually a buddy read. I enjoy that recommendation. I'm excited to read it when it comes down to it for our buddy read. Okay, um, I have two recommendations that I'll give back to back, and these are um, intergenerational stories. They definitely share something honest about the human experience. I think that they focus on relationships, and I just really loved both of these books. So the first one is The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, and I really loved this. So it does go back and forth from 1980s Chicago to present-day Paris. So it's not only sweeping in terms of time period, but also the setting. So in the 80s in Chicago, the story focuses on Yale Tishman, and he is a director for an art gallery at a university in Chicago. And as he is working towards this art project, he is also dealing with the AIDS epidemic and how it is impacting his dear friends and community. He is gay and he is in a committed relationship and he and his partner are navigating how the epidemic is killing their friends. And it is heavy. But I didn't find that this book was, like, I didn't think I was crying the entire time, but it is about grief and it is a little bit heavy, but definitely shares truths about the human experience. And then the plotline 30 years later, a woman is tracking down her estranged daughter in Paris, and there are, of course, ties between the past and present timelines that are interesting to discover as you go through the book. But the book really 
centers around the relationships within this community of people in Chicago, Yale's friend group, and I found it to be really page-turning. I felt like I learned a lot about the AIDS epidemic, specifically how it impacted Chicago, because I think so often we hear about stories from that time in California or New York City, and so hearing or reading a story about the AIDS epidemic in the Midwest was just a different perspective that I appreciated. And while this is not an own voices authored book, it has received some really excellent own voices reviews. So while there are some issues with the authorship um, and you know members of the LGBTQIA community have mentioned that, a lot of own voices reviewers really did love this book. So I feel comfortable recommending it. And it was one of my favorite books that I read last year. And then the other book in a similar vein is The Logger Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Stradall. And this book is also about intergenerational relationships and takes course over many years. I really, really loved this book. I think it does an amazing job of depicting female friendships and relationships, mostly family relationships. And it just, I mean, it felt like home to me because of the places that it mentions in Wisconsin and Minnesota. But I really recommend this one for people who love complicated family stories, intergenerational stories, and books that are fun, and there are funny moments in this book, but they definitely, there are deeper themes here to chew on and things to think about. And it sounds like Bet really appreciates books that she can enjoy and that are page turning, but that also make her think. So that is The Logger Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Stradall. Now, normally when somebody brings up uh, female-driven stories in relationships over longer periods of time, I would normally recommend N.K. Jemisin, uh, The Fifth Season, but I think something more topical, since you've read it more recently, would be The City We Became, if you wanted to recommend that. I would totally recommend this one to bet. I loved it, and I don't consider myself a big fantasy reader, and I absolutely adored this book. I also think that given the fact that Bette mentioned metaphor and really enjoying that symbolism in a book, I think she would really enjoy The City We Became because it is an incredibly allegorical and metaphorical story, and there's a lot to dig into with that. So The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin is set in New York City, but there are characters who embody the boroughs of the city. So they are living, breathing embodiments of like Manhattan and Brooklyn and the Bronx, etc. And they are fighting against an evil force that is trying to basically kill the city. So they're trying to save their city and help it become a living, breathing thing. So this is the first in what will be a trilogy. I think 
that she might write about, well, I'm trying to like guess which city she's going to write about next, but Jemison lives in New York City, so um, I just thought it really brought the city to life in a fun way. It was really page-turning and fun to read, but there is a lot of metaphor and allegory to really think about and notice as you're reading, and I feel like it's one that you could read multiple times and pick up something new each time. I bookmarked a lot of quotes and passages, and I'm really excited to discuss this one with you, Curtis, whenever it makes its way across the ocean. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. The only other note I would have for Bet is pay attention to the later part of this episode, and you might get some more stuff to pass off to your husband, because we got some Marine Corps stuff coming up. Oh yeah, that's right. That'll be fun. Okay, so yes, we have we have some Curtis-centric recommendations coming up, but first we have a request from Tracy, who sent some examples of books she loved and loathed, and Curtis, you said, I don't recognize any of these titles. <laughs> yeah, normally when I don't know any of the loves or loathes, it's better for me just to bow out, especially when there's specific... <laughs> questions that come my way so this one's all you sorry tracy i have some recommendations but there is a book on my recommendations list that you have read so you can talk a little bit about that one and chime in with your thoughts so, okay i don't have to stay silent forever success <laughs> tracy loved leaving atlanta by tayari jones miracle creek by angie kim and the almost sisters by jocelyn jackson and those are kind of similar to some of the books that Bet really likes, so I hope that Tracy already picked up a few recommendations from there. She did not love My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, Afterbirth by Alyssa Albert. And she's looking for good fiction that is page-turning but story-driven, not just sensational thrillers. Time period doesn't matter, and she says she's also an artist and musician who reads a fair amount of inspirational nonfiction. So I went with all fiction books that I found to be really page-turning and story-driven, but that I am still thinking about long after reading them. The first recommendation that I have is Long Bright River by Liz Moore, and I really loved this mystery thriller on audio, but don't be fooled by mystery thriller. Look, genre fiction can be really deep and powerful. Just because it's a mystery or thriller doesn't mean that it's just going to be like a page-turning beach read. It can have some real meat to the story. So this one definitely does. It Hmm. takes place in Philadelphia and in a neighborhood that is really overcome by the opioid crisis, and it's about two sisters. Casey lives on the streets, and she is in the grip of addiction, and Mickey is a cop, and she walks the same streets on her police beat. And so it's really complicated because often Mickey and her role as a policewoman conflicts with her desire to take care of her sister and the ideas of addiction. So there is a string of murders. Mickey's really worried about her sister. There's a mystery to unravel, but this book really is a moving story about sisterhood and addiction and really grappling with complicated 
roles for law enforcement. So I found this one to be page turning and enjoyable, but also there's so much to chew on and think about with this book. So that is Long Bright River by Liz Moore. And then speaking of mysteries where there's a lot to think about and some really intense, deep themes, excellent writing, I have to recommend Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke, which we both read and loved. Yeah, so Bluebird, Bluebird, I really liked the story of Darren Matthews and the complications that come up from his personal life, but then also the professional aspects of being a a black Texas ranger in uh, the eastern part of Texas trying to solve a brutal murder. And the themes that I really liked are, you know, the disparity, the racial prejudice, and just the insights on a troubled person who's also trying to do his job and solve crimes for the good of the community. What I liked about Attica Locke's writing is you can tell she's got a background as a screenwriter because it read very much like either a procedural show like on an HBO True Detective or a film, something like that. So um, I'm a big fan of it, and I can hand it off to you for some more. Yeah, definitely. So those are the two mystery thrillers that I find really page-turning. They're not just sensational. They're not just domestic thrillers. They are really absorbing. And, like, there's nothing wrong with a book that you just can't stop turning the pages, but it's kind of like candy. But Tracy wants some stories that she can really sink into. So... A couple other recommendations. I would recommend The Alice Network by Kate Quinn, since she said that time period doesn't matter and historical is totally fine. I found that this book was so page-turning, definitely story-driven. It is about a female spy who was recruited to the real Alice Network. This is based on a true story in France during World War One, and then there's a tie-in story after World War II, and it goes back and forth between these time periods, but I found it really easy to follow, and there are some themes about like a woman's role in the wartime, and there's a mystery element. I just found this to be such a fun historical page-turner and a really refreshing take on World War II novels. And it was just a really fun read. And I haven't read The Huntress by Kate Quinn yet. It's been on my to-be-read list forever, but I've heard great things about that one. So that is The Alice Network by Kate Quinn. And then another recommendation that I have is Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, which this one is a really popular book club pick right now. And it is about a blogger Alex or Alix is her name and she has a babysitter Amira and Amira is black and she takes Alix's toddler Briar Alix is white to the local market and there is an incident where Amira basically gets accused of kidnapping Briar and then Alix tries to course correct and basically like overcompensates with her white guilt But there's, like, that is just the beginning of the story, and there's so much more to it. It reads like really quick women's fiction, 
But there are some much deeper themes here that I think a lot of readers might miss if they're not paying attention. I actually listened to it on audio and I felt that the audio narration helped me pick up on those undertones and themes that I might miss as a white reader better than I might have on the page. And I just think it's a fascinating story to discuss and really loved Kylie Reed's writing style. So that is Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Good stuff for Tracy. Yes. So I think that Tracy and Bet might have some uh, read-alikes to share with each other. So um, I hope they got some recommendations from those lists. And before we move ahead and share some reader requests specifically for Curtis, we want to tell you about Libro FM. So I've been an audiobook listener for years. If I'm walking Penny or folding laundry or driving, you can bet that I'm listening to an audiobook. Like I said, Such a Fun Age I loved on audio. Long Bright River I loved on audio. A lot of the books that I mentioned today I listened to. And Curtis, you have recently started to get into audiobooks. Are you listening to anything right now? Yeah, uh, as my habit is for just regular reading, I've gotten into a re-listening habit. So I'm listening to Sea Stories by Admiral William McRaven. Libro FM is our absolute favorite audiobook subscription service because with every single download, we're supporting an independent bookstore. And we are all about supporting our favorite indies so that we can go on plenty of bookstore dates when they start to open up again. And the Libro FM app is easy to use. They just updated it and they're constantly trying to make it better. So we seriously love our listening experience even more than before. And we recommend that you enhance your reading life with audiobooks while supporting small businesses. So switch to Libro FM audiobooks today. Listeners of He Read, She Read podcast can get two audiobook credits for the price of one. You just go to Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the promo code HRSR. Or you can go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing you're supporting local bookstores. All right, Curtis, Katie sent a request specifically for you. Her husband is a former Marine, and he enjoys military stories based on true events. And movies are harder for him to watch, but he does enjoy books. So she's curious if you have any recommendations based on the events at the Battle of Chosin Reservoir. Did I say that right? Uh, It's just Chosen. Chosen Reservoir? I do, uh, and I appreciate, you know, if people are asking for specifics about a period of history, and it tells me a lot about what they're interested in, what they're about. So the I'll admit from the get-go, the Korean War is not an area of my expertise. Uh, it's not something that I read extensively on, so it's a little bit of a gap. Uh, and one thing that I will say, though, is somebody who's interested in the Chosen Reservoir it's one of the most bloody battles in U.S. military history and just shows the grit and determination of the Marines and soldiers that fought there. Okay, uh, the first thing I'll say, Katie, is I appreciate the specificity of the question uh, for your husband. And it tells me a little bit about uh, hopefully his background and if he traces some of his lineage uh, when he was in the Marines back to 
the Chosen Reservoir. For people that don't have people in the military or not really familiar with it, if you're serving in a unit that has a lot of its history that you can go back to, sometimes that's a point of pride and something that you remember and talk about a lot. So the Chosen Reservoir is probably the most famous battle in the Korean War, and it's something that I don't really know a lot about from the get-go. So it took a little bit of digging to find some examples, uh, but hopefully these will work. Uh, The first one I will recommend is on desperate ground, uh, about the Marines specifically at the Chosen Reservoir. So it was, was a the largest and bloodiest battle of the Korean War involved a lot of Marines and soldiers. Over the multiple days that it was fought, I think they handed out 17 medals of honor. And the entirety of this book just is the best example I've been able to find of going through the circumstances that they were going through. Hampton Sides, I have read previously. Um, he wrote In the Kingdom of Ice, uh, which is something that I've been getting into as far as um, Arctic survival stories. So I enjoy his writing style and feel very confident that he'll be able to provide the amount of detail and historical accuracy uh, that your husband will be looking for for this one. So that's my first recommendation. I thought I recognized the name Hampton Sides. I recognize the next author's name too. I believe you got me in the Kingdom of Ice for a gift. I did. So yeah. Way to pat yourself on the back on that one. (laughs) I recognize this next author from your shelves, too. So the next one that I'll recommend is The Frozen Hours by Jeff Shara. So this is actually a novel, and Jeff Shara is well-known for covering multiple periods of history, but is one of the most well-known military historical fiction Authors. His father uh, wrote The Killer Angels about the Civil War, which is probably the number one military historical fiction book of all time. So one thing I like about Jeff Shara is that he's able to cover the story from multiple different perspectives. Specifically in The Frozen Hours, he tells the story of the Frozen Chosen from a higher echelon of leader, so the commanding general of a whole Marine division, but then he'll go down to the nitty-gritty of a Marine private who is in the fight of their life, essentially. And then he goes from the Marines and the U.S. Army soldiers and covers the other side of the conflict with one of the Chinese commanders. So he brings together uh, the stories of combat from both sides and tells this greater-than-life situation as kind of like a Band of Brothers-type story. Uh, from both sides of the elements when they're fighting the snow and then fighting each other. So uh, I would recommend The Frozen Hours by Jeff Shara. Okay, and the third recommendation that I have for Katie is actually a series of books that covers not just the Korean War, but also goes back into World War II. That's another fiction recommendation, and it's the core series of books by W.E.B. Griffin. So these books I actually read when I was younger uh, because my great-uncle had a complete collection of books that was in our basement, um, just in an old bookcase, and I picked them up when I was probably in high school uh, trying to figure out what I was trying to do. I was going back and forth between the Army and the Marine Corps for where I wanted to serve. And what I liked about these books is it follows a series of characters from the beginnings of World War II 
all the way through that conflict and then the intervening years up until Korea. Um, so I'm not sure 100% if the Chosen Reservoir is mentioned specifically, but uh, this would be a really good one for Katie's husband to get into and we'll cover a longer period of time because I think there's about 10 books in the series, so that should keep him occupied. Are those books, or did those books contribute to your decision to go army instead of marine? <laughs> now you're just trying <laughs> to spoke a little inner service rivalry. Just, just trying to stir it up a little bit. <laughs> uh, no, it, they were good stories, um, and something that I'll always respect is the way that the marines responded during World War II. Um, but because they had some great stories to tell after that. So, Katie, I hope that helps. Uh, tell your husband thank you for his service, and if we can provide any more recommendations, just let us know. All right, we have one last request for Curtis. I see how it is. Everybody wants your fantasy and nonfiction recommendations. It's fine. Hey, hey <laughs> you, give the, you give the people what they want, Chelsea. <laughs> This one is from Kramer, and Kramer asks, Curtis, do you have any history or military authors you trust other than Stephen Ambrose? I struggle to know who is factually based and doesn't just tell one side of a story. So Stephen Ambrose came up uh, when I brought up Band of Brothers on What Should I Read Next is one of my all-time favorite books, and he's written some other really good things in addition to that like uh, one of his stories on Lewis and Clark expedition is really great um, I, I'll kind of go two ways with this I'll kind of say how my philosophy works with history and hopefully that helps Kramer uh, but also talk about some authors that I really trust and whatever they do I'm on board with so I think I've mentioned in previous episodes that one thing I use for differentiation and criteria for when I'm picking new authors is are you someone that's well respected in different fields so if you're writing biography are you a journalist are you on any type of national book award or Pulitzer Prize list and to me that says are you good at reporting facts and are you good at telling stories so if you're into somebody who's factually based uh, I would recommend finding somebody who has a background as a journalist, uh, somebody that does a lot of research, and a good way to tell is just if you pick up the book and there's about 30 to 40 pages of notes at the back because you can tell that they're very good about citing their sources and being true to the situation uh, that they're attempting to provide some insight on. So the person that I think of beyond anyone else is Doris Kearns Goodwin. So I stand by everything that she's written i've read a lot of her books uh, and mentioned them on the show on leadership and presidential history and she's very good about being upfront and honest about where she's getting her information and making sure people are you know knowing where she's coming from and she's got a background as a professor and as a author going back 34 years so she's got a good track record uh, someone else that I would recommend, regardless of the topic, because it covers multiple different time periods, would be Ron Chernow. So I've read Washington. Uh, I have not read Alexander Hamilton, uh, despite my love for the show, but I know you did. Uh, and <laughs> it's probably the author that I'm looking forward to reading most when I get back to the States, because uh, I've got a prime, brand new copy of Grant, um, which is still in the plastic that I need to dig into and have heard great things about. So 
uh, other authors I'll just hit real quick. Uh, David McCullough I've mentioned on the show. Uh, John Meacham has a background as a journalist and written a lot of really good historical books, biographies specifically. And then if you're kind of into more of the espionage or spy stories, special operations, I'd recommend Ben McIntyre. So he wrote a couple of books about either Cold War or World War II spies, and then also a history of the British uh, Special Air Service, which is their special operations community. Um, The last book is something that was recommended to me by my boss when I was in Afghanistan the previous time. Uh, So it's something that I really liked and comes well recommended. And those are authors that I stand by no matter what and then also some advice about how you can tell people that are factually based nice i think that people will super appreciate your process and some insight on how you choose your historical nonfiction. and you're always looking for new authors to add to that but i definitely always see you flipping to the back of the book in the bookstores to see what the notes section looks like well, that's how you can tell. It's it's a very easy way to tell people that are putting in the time, putting in the work, and actually want to tell an accurate story. Speaking of your love of history, you have a recommendation of the week for us. Yeah, I feel like uh, the last couple weeks it's ju- or episodes it's just been what I'm tuning into on Netflix. Uh, but so far, over the last couple of days since it dropped... The only thing I've been able to watch is The Last Dance, uh, which I feel a little bit late to the party on because everybody else was watching it months ago uh, when it originally dropped live. Uh, But unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch it then uh, just due to proximity where I'm at. So now that I can see it when it's on Netflix, uh, it covers the history of the 1990s Chicago Bulls. Uh, The only thing that I will say is that because it is uh, under the watchful eye of michael jordan it's very pro jordan um it's very one-sided yeah and i know that uh it's something that kramer was talking about where you don't want to just get the one side of the story um and that's the unfortunate thing when you are you know one of the greatest athletes of all time and then you decide to make your own documentary about the your time but it's really good um, I just wish people would th- show some more love to Scotty Pippen because I love Scotty. <laughs> um, but it's it's a great ride. Uh, and as a Packer fan, it is really weird to hear uh, Wayne Larravee doing uh, Chicago Bulls games as the announcer in the 90s. But that's something that happened. That's true. Wayne Larravee's voice is just like forever embedded in my Wisconsin heart. <laughs> uh, what's your recommendation for this week on... This is not Netflix. So I have just been re-watching stuff, and I haven't really been watching much TV lately. That sounds like a humble brag. It's, it just is what it is. So I have been getting more reading done, though. And one book that I have really been enjoying lately is We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. And this combines everything from my freshman year of high school plus some fun 80s nostalgia. I did not go to high school in the 80s. That was before my time. But this book is about a girls field hockey team. And they play field hockey in Danvers, Massachusetts, which is actually where most of the witch trial drama occurred. And they 
basically reenact things from the witch trials in order to get a winning field hockey season. So they write their names in a notebook and pledge allegiance to the darkness and do things to help the powers that be get on their side to help them win field hockey games. And it is funny and the narrative style that Quan Berry uses is really unique. And I've just been loving the flashbacks to playing field hockey in high school. So that's We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. Not bad recommendation. If you would like more book recommendations from us, plus what we're listening to and cooking and talking about, you can subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter at hereadsheread.substack.com. And we have an upcoming buddy read episode. We mentioned earlier that we are going to read The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. I read it and loved it. And Curtis will read it as soon as the mail drops it off for him. And in the meantime, if you want any other news and announcements from us, you can connect with us on social media at He Read, She Read. You can email us questions and ideas at he read, she read podcast at gmail.com. And you can find show notes at hereadsheread.org under podcast. Thank you so much to Libro FM for sponsoring this episode. And thank you all for listening. Remember, the couple that reads together provides recommendations but only when asked (laughs) i provide recommendations without being asked all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah that one doesn't hold water but because seriously people if you like these episodes send in your recommendations please